the season opener. Another edition of the Bearded Carcast. We are on the road again. Cue the willing note. It feels like we should be in the car for a car cast. And the basketball season is here, and we're back in the car. And right now, we are leaving shoot-around. The Winthrop men's basketball team opens the year at Hartford. We just watched the team shoot-around, and we are headed to the worldwide leader. The four-letter network, ESPN. Yeah. Should be it, a lot of fun. It's already been a busy We've had a start busy trip to the so trip. Far, yeah. Winthrop flew up to Boston uh, late yesterday afternoon, and we got together with your friend, John Meter Perel. He's your Perel, friend, too. My friend, too, John Meter Perel. Well, he's who I he's met my good you. friend. Yeah, I mean, but he's been your friend for a million years, yeah. and, uh, and I met him through you, the former voice of Boston College, who now works for ESPN. Well, he does some best, uh, he does football. Right, he does football yeah. for BC and ESPN basketball, basketball and yeah. ESPN baseball. So we enjoyed seeing him. We got to see our old Big South friend, yeah. Josh, Josh Mauer, Mauer, who was at Charleston Southern a million years ago and then went on to UMass. And now he's doing Meet's old job with the yeah. men's basketball at Boston College. And yes, Meet and Josh, you are being tagged. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you will have to retweet this. So, And then... We, uh, we got a chance to see the second half of the game, Boston College and Wake Forest, so good to take in a game in the opening couple days But it looked like season. an opening game of the year for both teams. If you've watched any college basketball so far this year, whether it was Virginia and Syracuse last night or it was the, the doubleheader between the top five teams at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday or it was St. Mary's in Wisconsin, or maybe it was a smaller game. Maybe it was Central Connecticut State and and Hartford. They pretty much all have looked like teams yeah. getting their legs, turnovers, early season problems. I mean, that's that's the beginning of the year. I mean, don't expect things to look crisp and clean and perfect like they will at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year. That's, that's the nature of the beast. That's how it goes. And that last... That last three minutes, I think, went like 15 minutes. Oh, it was brutal. It, it was. It, was it went forever. Fouls and timeouts and, you know, those aren't the two best teams in the ACC by any stretch of the imagination. But it's good to get the juices flowing. It's it's good to see A.J. Desai this time That's of year. That's right. Former Big South official. He had the uh, the game last night at uh, at Conti Forum. That, was that your first time to Conti Forum? That's my first time from Conti Forum. And you mentioned to me they also play hockey there. And it actually seems like it would be a great hockey venue. Oh, it's a great hockey venue. And BC is, you know, on multiple national titles. They've had multiple Hobie Baker Award winners, which is like the Heisman for hockey. A great place. Really a great place to watch a game. It was named after Silvio Oconti, a former congressman uh, and uh, helped get that building built so a lot and a lot of great basketball Donye Abrams was there so if you, you old-time uh, basketball fans Donye was a beast that was you know that was the, the heyday of BC in the 90s under Jim O'Brien and you had Malcolm Huckabee he was also on the call last night uh, that team had a couple couple of good runs in the NCAA tournament uh, so I haven't heard many people talking about it there are a couple of rule changes yes. in college basketball, but the big one is the extended three-point line. Tonight, Winthrop and Hartford yeah. play. Winthrop led the country in three-pointers a game last year, and Hartford was top 25. You're talking about a team that made 12 and a team that made nine and a half a game, and now you're pushing that arc out a little bit. I talked to Josh Ferguson for our pregame show that begins at 6.30, and you know, 
he's the type of guy that could be impacted by sure. stepping out that line. It's it's the stretch four who can make what you know is a, a top of the key three, but now you you marched out a little bit further. And is that a struggle for him? And not him specifically, but for those big guys who have been able to hit threes. What do you think the rationale behind is it to open up the game a little bit? Because it seems like it might hurt some teams like the mid-major teams that rely on the three to, to try and knock off some big wins. I think it's against high pr- major teams. It's two pronged. It's not every Tom, Dick, and Harry should be able to make a three-pointer easily. Yeah. I think it's trying to make the shooters, you know, the, the three-point shooter an actual distinct positioning. Again, that, that's a skill that shouldn't be, you know, just kind of, oh, yeah, anybody can shoot a three. Yeah. But the other big thing is it does. It creates more spacing. I mean, if the three-point shooters are standing a little bit further from the basket, then there's more room to maneuver in the low post. There's there's more space in the lane. The defense has a longer um, area to try to guard and cover, yeah. and perhaps that makes for a more free-flowing sort of game. It'll be interesting to see and what, what impact that has on Winthrop. Now, Winthrop's a completely different team uh, than they were last year. I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see who does step into that role of shooting threes. Now, Winthrop's not going to completely change their style, uh, but with the addition of DJ Burns, the big six foot nine redshirt freshman big man, you know they'll they'll make an effort to pound it inside. And what's great about Josh Ferguson, he can do both. He can play inside and bang with the big boys, and you know he'll he'll be able to go out and, and uh, try and hit a, an extended three now. Yeah, I mean Coach Kelsey told the team at the end of shoot around in lineups where we have DJ on the floor, we have to make sure he gets paint touches, and that is well, it's fairly... twofold, right? I mean, one, it's obvious is. You know, get him inside an easy, uh, you know, high you, percentage shot. Did you like that? I practically made a right turn or a left turn from the extreme right lane. Yeah. We, we really are back in the you're, car. You're back in, well, and you're, you're actually driving like a New Englander. I'm, I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It, and, and you didn't use your blinker either, which was great. Blinker? Yeah. I'm not familiar. Directional. Well, huh. <laughs> um, but but the it's other a New England is, type day, too. There's no sun out. No, it's no sun. And it's about 40 degrees. It's gray. Yeah, it's battleship gray. We're not not quite battleship gray. It's a little dark, but this is light gray. But but the other thing is, uh, not only do you get the high percentage shots inside for DJ, whether it's a dunk or an easy layup, but uh, you know then he's going to command some double teams. So now you're going to free up, and he I think he's going to be able to pass out of those double teams pretty well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching him. He's not going to start, and I don't think he's going to play you know long stretches of minutes. But I think we very well may see stretches in the game where the defense has to adjust to him, and that makes your entire team better. Yeah, I'm excited to have basketball back. It's good to uh, it's good to see Winthrop, you know, another team. Even if you brought back the same, you know, 14 or 15 guys, every team is a different team. Okay, you know Pete Thamel from yes. Yahoo is one of my buddies. Yeah. And Pete's podcast with Dan Wetzel and Pat Forty is among my favorites because they don't take themselves too seriously. They really, really know college sports, but they're happy to goof around and have a good time and joke, but they're credible at the same time. That's the difference between us and them. (laughs) They're credible, we're merely talking. (laughs) But but I digress. Yes. But they don't talk in a car. They don't talk in a car, which is weak. It's weak not to talk (laughs) in a car. Now, they don't claim to have a car cast. That's true. But... I think that's what makes us kind of who we are. Like, this is the car. This is anyway, yeah. in their last podcast, they're about first 10 to 15 minutes, 
they talked about the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Oh. And then they talked... Which sold out fast. And that was a great ploy because it, it got... Yeah. It got Chick-fil-A, it got... Well, and uh, all those guys Popeyes are going down at yeah. LSU in Alabama this week. So, you know, that that's really Popeye's country, the oh, South. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they're meeting up to have some Popeye's chicken, which is great. But um, then they talked about college football. And then Pete told an old horse racing story about betting on horses and a call that didn't go their way and a strange antiquated rule, yada, yada, yada. And I texted him after the podcast and I'm like, yeah, that was really funny. It was amusing. I enjoyed it. But I'm like, it's the first week of college basketball season. And you talked 15 minutes about Popeye's chicken. Right. And... You know, a half hour, 40 minutes about football, and then you told a five-minute story about horse racing. And I understand that they probably taped the podcast Sunday or Monday or Tuesday before college basketball actually started, but not a word about hoops. And he just texted back, kind of jokingly, but like, that's where college basketball is in the pecking order. You and I talk frequently about how we don't follow regular season NBA overly closely or baseball in the summer is great background noise. I love college basketball, and I love it for several reasons. But from a national standpoint, we went to Boston College last night. They play in the ACC. I don't know what they listed attendance at, but I don't know, two, 3,000, 4,000? It's interesting you say that. In the mid-'90s, you know, we talked about those uh, Malcolm Huckabee, Donya Abrams teams. Um, you know, there was an excitement about even in Boston for college basketball. Now, not like it is in, in Kentucky or North Carolina. All right, it's Boston. Boston is a pro town, pro sports. Uh, but, you know, they they drew really well. Now, this team, this year's team under Jim Christian, doesn't have that panache in their uh, experience or even the talent. Uh, but it, I don't know, I don't know if the phone and having your device is an issue now because people were into it, but they weren't really into it. The crowd was maybe half full uh, at Connie Forum, so... I mean, the, I, I think my thing personally, I, I think that uh, I would move the season back three weeks to maybe even a month and start it in December after all the, uh, you know, I would start it in between the end of conference championship games and the, the start of, not, not, I mean, come on, the bowl start the week after the championship, but like the major, you know, when you March start getting, Madness becomes April Madness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and I have talked about that schedule before. I like the idea of college football going until, you know, whatever it is, the, the beginning of December and then college basketball taking over you run the whole basketball season then you play baseball after that it's three distinct seasons but I mean the 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 four guys sitting behind us at the BC game last night were you know your classic New England Boston guys and at one point and I I don't do a good New England accent so I'll say it and then you can repeat it if you want (laughs) I'll translate it it, the one guy says to the other guy goes thought these teams would be better yeah (laughs) and like just said it in that kind of disparaging... I thought the teams would be better. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think that's... I don't think that's it. That's... I mean, these people actually decided to go to the game. The problem is all the people... No, those guys who, have season tickets that right. go to every game. Yeah. The problem is all the people that don't go to the games and don't pay attention. To me, what makes college basketball great is it's inclusive. At the beginning of the year... Winthrop can win not only the Big South Championship, but the National Championship. They can get into the NCAA Tournament. They can play on national TV. They can be a part of this big picture, which is really special. Then you get to the tournament. You get your Cinderella's that actually win games, that actually go to the Final Four. And it's 
It's the beauty of the NFL playoffs. It's the one and done nature of it. So there's so many things. I love the band. I love the cheerleaders. I love that App State, who can be amazing in football and has, but then has to go play in the Camellia Bowl, can be in the NCAA tournament, can pull an upset, can theoretically go to the Final Four, and you have that one and done. I just, I kind of think it's perfect. We bitch and complain about the length of the NBA season or the NHL season or the Major League Baseball season, but the length of college basketball, to me, it's very consumable. Yeah. It's, it's 30 games. It's not 80. It's not 100. It, it's less than twice as long as the NFL regular season. I, I just, I love the tight package that is college basketball, but I'm clearly in the minority. But I think attendance overall... I don't mean watching on TV or watching on your devices. I think that's kind of stable. Maybe not so much on the TV side, but, you know, people are paying attention and covering sports how they want to cover it or how they want to watch it in their own ways. Uh, I'd be interested to to look at, and if any of our four listeners have this information, they can tell us. But it'd be interesting to see what overall attendance is in college basketball, NFL, MLB, uh, you know, maybe some of the other major sports. You know, what what the 10-year look back in, in what it's been over the last 10 or 15 years compared to what it is now. I think that would be an interesting thing to see. Speaking of... Because I think people are going to games less. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and maybe it's 4K and maybe it's traffic and all of those things. But uh, speaking of our listeners, I, I was exchanging emails with a lot of different basketball coaches and administrators in the last few weeks, sending people, you know, our friends, the best of luck. Okay, and, almost uh, got... Dave almost literally sideswiped an Ultima. Yeah, but I would definitely have blamed the old lady driving. <laughs> well, she's got a big dent right over her <laughs> yeah. back left tire. I mean, she looked like she was swerving. Yes. She might be drunk. <laughs> I think it's likely. I think you should hit the gas. <laughs> Get in front of this other guy. So I was corresponding with a lot of friends yes. in the business, friends in college basketball, administrators at schools where basketball is their their primary sport in the last week or two, trying to wish them the best of luck this season, get a gauge for how they think their teams are going to be. And uh, I reached out to uh, Matt Griggs, who worked at Winthrop with, with oh, Coach yeah. Kelsey for a while, and he emailed back and said, you know, thanks for reaching out. You know, we're excited about the season. He's at Roanoke again. I think this is third or fourth year there. They've got a really good program there. And he goes, I enjoy the podcast when I'm out recruiting, nice. traveling around. And I thought, wow, that's like number three. Like, like we can No, name- he's five. Oh, number five? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. No, I think, I think it'd be interesting for people that do listen to tell us your habits. I think some people binge listen, like they'll, they subscribe and they'll listen. Sometimes they'll kind of come back because I've noticed when I look at some of our numbers, you know, you look at a podcast and you're like, man, I thought more people would look at this. And then you go back a week later and it's like jumped up a bunch. So bearded carcast at outlook.com. Tell us how you listen. Bearded carcast at outlook.com. And the people I'm really interested in hearing from are those who don't listen. Cause that's, that's the high majority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're not listening, tell us what you think. Yeah. Let us know how. What would, what would make you listen if you're not currently listening? I mean, if you believe, and I don't, but if you believe that people from West Africa that are emailing yes. us are not listening to the show, it's not as though people that aren't listening don't have access to get a hold of us. Right. 
and it's interesting that those people have access to so much money that they want to give to us at a fraction or percentage. <laughs> but we digress. This is the Bearded Cardcast. I'm Dave Friedman with Mike Pacheco. We're in a chirpy good mood because it's the start of college basketball season. Back at home in Charlotte, and we're not going to be there for a while because this is a great trip to begin the year. It's here in Hartford, and then tomorrow we fly to San Francisco. The team is going to Fresno. We are not. Yeah. We are going to hang out in the Bay Area for a couple of days where my family is and eat great food and see cool things and then catch up with the team Sunday morning as the team will shoot around at Fresno State and play at Fresno State. And then Monday at St. Mary's. So we're really enjoying and looking forward to the trip. It's an action-packed trip. We have a lot going on. But um, back at home in Charlotte, there is a interesting happening with the only relevant sports team in the market. The Panthers are having a okay, average, pretty good season. They they still very much are in the playoff hunt, but this week it was announced that Cam Newton was placed on IR. I think this is very interesting for multiple reasons, right? Because, you know, since he got hurt and admitted he was hurt and came out after game two, people have been coming up to me uh, and all sorts of you know, Panther fans sometimes. And not it's not Panther surprising fans. people come up to you because you're very approachable, I'm approachable and yeah. you're friendly and yeah. nice. And I will actually give you the time of day. No one ever comes <laughs> up to me. I kind of like it that way. No, but I mean, and the question really since day one has been, you know, what's his health? What's the story? Is it long term? Is he going to come back? Is he going to cut him? You know, and I thought if they lost to uh, San Francisco, he was going to play in the next game. So did I. I was wrong. So did I. We were all wrong. And I think, you know, what's interesting is. You know, this is such a, a cycle churn, right? Because, you know, there's some people in the fan base that, you know, are, are pinning this camp talk on the media. You know, quote-unquote, the media. Look, it's the story. you got to vet out all the different angles of a story. And, you know, look, in today's game, economics, analytics, results are a huge part of it. Now, look, is Cam Newton at 100%? a better option than Kyle Allen? I think so. I mean, I think, you know, especially if you look at, you know, his body of work. Now, his detractors would say, all right, you know, he's been hurt since the Super Bowl basically every year to, to some degree, some worse than others. Um, you know, his style of play can be uh, difficult to uh, to keep up with when you're over 30. You know, that's a fair point. Um, but, I mean, he's not that far removed from an MVP season. So, but the narrative, I think, among the fan base is starting to become like the media is starting to, to churn this thing up. Like, oh, is Cam going to play again? Has he played his last game? Listen, like I said, every most of the people that have come up to me, their first question is, is Cam done? Is I don't know how that couldn't be the first question. He's the signature player on the signature franchise in town. By the way, do you like that I keep changing lanes and for some reason the yeah. rental car beeps? It does. Like, I well, maybe it has. No, it has. I just saw it. It's got this light that tells you that you're. So this is one of those things, uh, and we saw this in John Gobble's they... car. That if you like, so if you, I bet if you start to drift over and didn't cross the line, it's it's to tell you to stay in the line. If the car is trying to tell me I'm a bad driver, I already know. <laughs> Shut up. I get it. Like like this. Like we almost clipped new... that Altima about five minutes ago. What's your point? <laughs> no, I think you have, look. It is if he's not going to play, and here's the other thing, and people know this. I mean. 
nowadays contract information is is a lot more public uh, and more readily available, and it's a lot more researched. But I mean, let's be honest; he's owed nineteen million dollars next year, and which isn't actually that much money. I thought Mike Florio made a really interesting point on Pro Football Talk when he said. For a starting quarterback in the NFL that's not on a rookie contract, that that's not a bad contract right. at all. Right. It's only one year. It's not like you're on the hook for a long period of time. So, you know, Caroline has a big question. You know, they have a big question. Uh, what are they going to do at the end of the season? You know, can they find a trading partner? Can they get something in return for him? Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying this in any order of what I think is going to happen. I'm, just, I'm kind of top of the mind as we're going down the road here in 84, Connecticut. But... You know, that's obviously one option. One option is cutting him. I don't like that option because, you know, you get nothing for a guy that uh, you've invested a lot in. And I don't just mean in, in money. Um, you know, and then, you know, and I think a viable option, which it's funny because even fans, when they ask these questions to me, their first question is, do you think Cam's going to play for the Panthers again? Their first question is, is he gone? Is he going to be cut? You know, look, if he comes back 100% healthy, and you and I have talked about this, I think, even off the air, Dave. Uh, we talk. We did talk. We did talk off the bearded carcass. Is it Mike? Is it? If if I were his agent, I'm okay with this move because I want Kim to be 100 percent healthy when he hits the field the next time he goes out there. Because look, next year it'll, it'll be. I mean, let's let's go on the assumption he go, like the he stays with the Panthers into into there's no, you know let's say that under this scenario let's say the team says all right no quarterback controversy Kyle Allen's done a great job for us. Cam Newton's our starter. He's starting game one to start the 2020 season. Now, that is going to become a big moment for Cam Newton. He's going to have a chance to perhaps play for his next contract with Carolina or for one of the other 31 teams. I just, like, if you're the Panthers, you have to at some point make an assessment of how close are we. If we get Cam Newton, the Cam Newton that won the MVP back, are we a Super Bowl contender? Because if the answer is no, it's time to move on. But if you think you're that close, and it kind of what plays into it is, are Kyle Allen or Will Greer the long-term answer? Like, Are you searching for your future quarterback, or is the future quarterback on the roster? Because if the future quarterback is either Cam Newton, Kyle Allen, or Will Greer, you don't need to do anything. Right. you got three darts to throw and each of them will get their opportunity but if you've seen enough of Kyle right. Allen to go he looks like a backup he's a credible NFL quarterback but he, he's not dynamic he's not going to be the guy that leads us to a Super Bowl then that's one one fewer option if you've decided that Cam Newton is too injury prone or at this point in his career he's not going to be the answer then you're only down to Will Greer then, then you need to decide Either he is or is not the guy. If the Panthers drop out of playoff contention with two, three, four weeks to go in the year, I think Will Greer has to play every snap. Yeah, absolutely. If well, that again, you burned a third round pick on him. What you're hearing out of Ron Rivera, what you're hearing out of Marty Herney, they've been very, very pleased with Kyle Allen. But what are they going to say? Our quarterback stinks. But he's not that old. It's not like... Now, again, you burned a third-round pick on Kyle, uh, Will Greer. Mike, so. I, I, Kyle Allen has done an admirable job as a backup in very much the same way that Matt Moore might have years ago. But do you look at him at, in 
any way, shape, or form and say, at some point, I think this guy could be one of the top 10, 12, 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think that right now, but I think I think you have to allow athletes to grow and have that opportunity. Now, do I think that's going to happen? I, right now, no, but based on early returns, I didn't see a lot of great things out of Will Greer in the preseason either. Now, granted, oh, he, that's, you, I, I agree. But if Kyle I mean, right Allen, now, right, I mean, right now, not next 100%, year. 100%. Kyle right, Allen's better than yeah, Will Greer right now. No right, question right. about it. But the upside of Will Greer is maybe he's really good. Let me, maybe let me, he's ask, you this, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. In 2000, uh, was it 2001 when Brady took over for Bledsoe? Going into week nine, week 10, would you have thought that Tom Brady would have had the career he's had? No, who would have? Right. I so, mean, it would be ridiculous right. to. Now, I'm not saying Kyle Allen is on that trajectory. But, but we, it's possible. We've now seen Kyle Allen for half a year. And, like, I think Kyle Allen very well may be the 24th best quarterback in the NFL. But I don't think the upside of him is top 10 quarterback. I don't think the upside Nobody is, would have said that about Tom Brady either. Correct. Nobody. That's one example. Now, now I'm not saying Lightning's going to strike twice, but... I think the better example is, like, Nick Foles, who I said on this very show, can't win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Yeah. Then Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. So could you win the Super Bowl with Kyle Allen? I don't personally think so, but, yeah, you're right. Maybe. But at the end of this year, if it's a lost year, if you make the determination with four weeks to go, hey, we're probably not going to make the playoffs. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're three games out with four to play. Yeah. I'm getting tape of Will Greer for three or four games and seeing what I got. Okay, so just going back to how things have played out, they had an opportunity to get a... They could have gotten a veteran quarterback and drafted Will Greer as, as an insurance policy, right? And they've, they've, they've Would have been a, more expensive, but sure. No, would have been more expensive, but they really... Wow, there's a fire burning on a farm next to the highway. We're going to take this exit, exit 31. I, I, I will say this. I think their opinion of Kyle Allen is higher than you and a lot of people, um, I would say pundits and prognosticators, because you do pay a lot of attention to the league, and you know I, I trust your judgment. I think in, inside that building, though, they have a higher opinion of him than people outside the building do. Yeah, I mean, that, that may be the case. It, it's also, it's going to be a fascinating offseason, not only down the stretch to see what they do. Maybe Kyle Allen takes him to the playoffs. This is totally irrelevant. Cam Newton goes elsewhere in the offseason. Kyle Allen's your starter week one next year. You give him every opportunity, and you've still got Will Greer kind of waiting in the wings as your potential like long-term solution if something happens to Kyle Allen. That's a best-case scenario. But if Kyle Allen loses two of the next three weeks and you kind of fall out of playoff contention, I think it would be a mistake not to see what Will Greer can give you. Okay, let's get it. Back on the bearded carcast. We don't need to be singing and blowing down the river, dude. <laughs> so, I, I need about 10 minutes to dry off. But. <laughs> How did you like ESPN? Other than it being really wet, it was great. Well, thanks to your buddy for uh, giving us the, the tour. I don't know if he wants to be named or not, but uh, what an interesting place. And 
you know, it started out literally, we were in Bristol, Connecticut, which is middle of nowhere. It's about 30, 30 minutes west of Hartford, literally right off 84. It's the home of um, It's Otis not a big Elevator. retirement community. <laughs> no, there was nothing here. And, you know, basically, long story short was that the founders of ESPN discovered that they could do it here cheaply as, as well as anywhere else. And I think the guy that started it worked in Hartford, so... It was kind of a no-brainer, and it's evolved into this 16-building campus. Uh, and, you know, they've done a good job, really, of keeping up with their history. I thought that was the fascinating part of the tour when they had a lot of the old uh, equipment out that, that, that you could see. And it was, it really was. It was, it was, it was interesting. Now, we couldn't, obviously, they were working. They didn't want us on Sports Center, surprisingly. But uh, I, I was surprised when Victor Cruz walked by that yeah. you know he didn't want to shut yeah. us up for a yeah. while, like talk about the game. But he did have a nice bag of snacks. <laughs> yeah, Victor Cruz walked by us with a bag as though he just got back from trick or treating. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And I didn't talk to Matthew Barry about a fantasy trade. No, I thought trade. you know I thought you were gonna hit him up for like okay, I got Mike Evans. <laughs> Sonny Michelle. Sonny Michelle. I want to get another quarterback. What do you think? Good move or not? <laughs> he, he, no. You're, Seth would have been kicked out. Like, he would have been fired <laughs> if we did that. So. Seth, we, we've really enjoyed having you here for the last 15 <laughs> years. But, but these two knuckleheads, the, just, yeah. you know, they ruined it for you. <laughs> so uh, clean out your locker, and uh, it's been a good run. I am amazed, though, at how huge this campus is. I mean, and I knew coming in, because, you know, you and I both know a lot of people that either have or do work here, and... You know, you know that it's a huge place, but until you actually see the size and the scope of it, and that new digital building that we went into yeah, was it's, amazing. It, it's it's an impressive setup. I haven't been here in probably 15 years. I think it's doubled or more in that time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you have to remember the technology was not the same. And by the way, we are still driving around the campus. Like, we're on the campus still. We're, yeah. That's how, you know, for, for scale and scope. I mean, you and your family like going to Disney World. Yeah. And it's so massive. ESPN is the same thing. It's just, it's just enormous. Enormous. And more than like 30 satellite dishes. I right. I mean, just, you know, enormous. And the, what did what did he say? They have 7,000 employees and like 5,000 are here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing. A lot of programming gets put on here, that's for sure. A lot of programming. That was fun. That was a good time. Thank you. Yeah. And speaking of programming. Yes. We've got Winthrop and Hartford tonight, but coming up on Sunday, it's week 11 of the NFL. That's right. Is it week 10? Week 10 of the NFL. Week 10, right. Um, our picks yes. are not doing particularly well, or my picks, I should say, started real hot, and they have they have dried up this late. Last week, though, I made a mistake. The two games I liked, and I, I said it to you when you picked the Patriots, yeah. I said that if I were to pick that game... I would have gone the other way. I would have right. gone with the Ravens. Yes. Should what have. do we think about the Patriots at this point? I mean, it's one game. Well, it's, it's yeah, one we, regular season game. It's on the road. It's against a team that came off a bye. But are you concerned? We were talking about, and maybe it was crazy to talk about, but we were talking about unbeaten, or would you take yeah, them versus right, the field? Right, right. Like, do you think they're the best team right now? I still think they're in the, the conversation of being one of the best teams. Are they the best team? I, you know, like, Baltimore really showed maybe a roadmap to beat them. So now they're going to have to overcome that. Yeah, I mean, they're probably still, the, I would say they're still, they'd still be my number one if I did a power rankings thing, but. I feel like this happens every year. But San we Francisco, you have to give them credit too. Uh, Absolutely. As well as they've played. So, I mean, they. I guess maybe because they're undefeated, they have to be number one, but. I just feel like 
we jump up and down about the Patriots every year, or maybe we we gasp about something and then we jump up and down about them. Right. I mean, there's some some trick to it, but in the end, they've made the corrections and they're, they're yeah. there and they they work it out and you know they make it to the AFC Championship game and from there it's a you know it's a fifty fifty, but. Yeah. Like, well, I don't believe in like you want to see a team lose. Like, that's not the goal. You want to win every single game. But I think there are times where a loss can be handy. You don't want to lose, but I think you can learn something from it. And I think, you know, maybe the Patriots. You know, a they didn't play anybody. I mean, they had a lot of cupcakes in the first, you know, seven eight games. But you know, now they got a stiff test. You know, Brady looked bamboozled uh, at times. In retrospect, how did Cleveland beat Baltimore? Well, I mean, I mean, I hate to you know break into cliche. It's still the NFL. I mean, on any given Sunday, yeah, anybody can beat anybody. And but. maybe the margin between the top of the league and not the bottom, but the middle of the league, isn't as large as we would have thought it was. Maybe the best team in the league and the worst team in the league are separated by three touchdowns or something. Well, and but maybe about, the best team and the twelfth best team or fifteenth best team, it's only you know a six point difference. Yeah, but look at it, look at it this way too, right? Like, not that not that. Not that this was their Super Bowl, but everybody gets up to play the Patriots. Yeah, right? and off a of bye playing yeah. at home. Right. And I think the Ravens, it's the same, you know, same kind of thing. I mean, they're they're an upper echelon team in the last 10, 15 years. Who do the Pats have this week? Pats are idle this week. Oh, the Pats are off. Yeah, so they are have a bye week. Are you going to pick a non-Pats game, no, or are you taking an off I'm week as well? I'm taking an off week, too. You are? Yeah, this way I can uh, not lose this week. <laughs> well, the two big games, I don't know if they're two big games. The biggest game this week is the Monday night game, San Francisco yeah. hosting Seattle. But right. the Panthers play a very interesting game against Green Bay. Do you have any thoughts on, I mean, do we see the... Yeah, Cam Newton's out. Everyone rallies together. People are counting us out. Or do we see kind of like, you know, the Panthers are an okay average team and the Packers are coming off a bad loss and they're going to be fired up and ready to go? And what what do you anticipate? Well, those are two competing things, right? On the one hand, you'd think, you know, two weeks ago this game looked not, uh, I wouldn't say unwinnable, but it looked like it was going to be a tough, tough challenge. Then you have the game this week or last week where Green Bay loses – and then you say, okay, they're, you know, they're human. Uh, but then you throw in the fact that, okay, now they're going to be ticked off. It's in Green Bay uh, in weather that's probably not going to favor the Panthers. So you got to take all those into account. But when the Panthers have played good teams this year, though, and, and I guess San Francisco is the exception of the rule. I mean, they played Houston. They were a big underdog. They freaking won the game outright. Yeah. No, well, here's the thing. I think the from a national perspective, I think the Panthers are better than, than people will give them credit for being. You know, they have a good defense. They have a competent offense. They can make big plays. Uh, you know, you know, one of their, their top five in sacks. They have, they're a good defensive unit. Look, defense travels. So I think they have, they have you know, better than a, you know, I was going to say punter's chance, but they have an even better. You know, they have an opportunity. They, they, they can go and win. It's a big test, I think, for Kyle Allen. You know, I think he learned a lot from that San Francisco game. So this is an opportunity for him to really kind of figure out, you know, where he is against, you know, the upper half elite teams in the NFL. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to to see. Yeah. I, like, my, my just, like, first reaction is it's the Packers off a bad loss, yeah. coming home, 
all of those sort of things. But my head tells me there's a reason the point spread is less than a touchdown. Yeah. And there's no public that's going to be jumping up and down against the Panthers. And, like, maybe the Panthers are the right side. I, 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 I'm i really split on it. What about the uh, the Seattle-San Francisco game? I have, I have fairly strong opinions on that. In fact, it will be my pick of the week. Are we going to be able to watch that game? No. As an aside, we'll be working, right? We will be working. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm really interested in this game. The only game I think we're going to get a chance to watch this week is the Sunday Nighter, which is a good game. It's Dallas and Minnesota. Right, right. I think we'll watch that after Fresno State yeah. and Winthrop. But Monday night we'll be working, and Sunday during the day mostly we'll be working. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. I, I, I became a big believer in San Francisco after they beat the Panthers and how they did it. Pete Carroll, though, I mean... I wouldn't say people counted out Seattle, but I don't think anyone expected Seattle to be where they are right now. So I would take San Francisco in this game. What's the spread? Six and a half or six. Six and a half, six, yeah. And it's um, and San Francisco's obviously favorite. Yes, yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I, I think San Francisco's going to win that game. I see it as the same way as I saw the Ravens and the Patriots. I really like Seattle. I don't know if they're going to win the game outright, but I think it's it's the first big test for San Francisco. And yes, they beat the Rams, and that was you know a game they were an underdog and like kind of surprising. But now like we're talking about are they the best team in the league? This is the first time the bullseye's really been on them. They've got really really good line play. John Lynch has done an excellent job, but this is a game Seattle is circling going yeah. not so fast. They, right. they, they are not the anointed ones, and Seattle has played really well. I just, I think it's a field goal type of game. It, maybe San Francisco is going to win by 10 or 15 points, and we're going to walk away and go, wow, they're the best team in the league. They should be the favorite. I'm just not ready to say that yet, in the same way I wasn't ready to say that I thought the Patriots were that much better than everyone else. I, I I thought the Patriots needed to prove it against good competition, and they played a good team, and they didn't play great. That's not to say that long-term, the Patriots aren't going to win the Super Bowl. It's not to say long-term, San Francisco isn't going to. But I need to see it on the biggest stage, and I like Seattle getting what I think is a pretty generous point total. All right, so got to talk about ESPN for a minute. Got to go back because... We had a great tour. Seth did a great job showing us around. We saw a lot of great things. I don't know that I saw you as happy as I've ever seen you as when you walked into the cafe and they had not only apples, they had multiple varieties. And not only did they have multiple varieties of apples, they had them labeled. Yeah, so ESPN is neat. And they've got great history. And if you're kind of a technology nerd like Mike and I are and a sports nerd like we are, it's it's a bit of the epicenter. There's a lot going on. And it's it's kind of cool to see where they film the shows and where they do the editing and, and all that sort of stuff. But you go to the cafeteria, and the ESPN cafeteria is, is a known commodity. They kind of offer a lot of different yeah. things for employees. And, but I wasn't expecting four different type of apples no. labeled from what farms they came from and that, right. that was neat I enjoyed that yeah, that was good you were given that analysis on the San Francisco and Seattle game you're like looking into the mirror you're putting on your blinker you're turning into the middle lane you jumped over to another lane you came back to the middle all without missing a beat they're telling your uh, analysis like, pretty good. Th- this is one of my favorite stories about my grandfather my mom's 
uh, yeah. Father Leonard. He retired early in life at like 40, and then he went back and he worked as a stockbroker for a while. Really? And he loved to drive. Yeah. And he and my grandmother <laughs> would drive long distances yeah. and they would travel, but he was an atrocious driver. Really? And wherever you were in the car, if you were talking to him, he would look at you. Yeah. So I could look at you, but that that would yeah. not be great yeah. for driving. No. But if you were in the back seat, he would have an entire discussion <laughs> with you while you were in the in the back seat. That's so awesome. this is a car cast, yes. which means we are actually physically driving in the car. That's what we do, and we do this uh, usually on the way to Winthrop Games. Uh, and on this trip, particular trip, we're going to Hartford, playing the Hartford Hawks, and uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy it and check it out. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com is how you can email us. That'll be the promo piece. <laughs> Hartford, big road W, 67-57 for the Eagles. There's a former Winthrop assistant coach that would call that a big road kill. Big road kill. Put it on the board. Weird game. Yeah, it started out kind of uh, iffy, if you will, in that both teams seemed kind of probing each other out, sloppy. Wasn't it like 5-4 or like 4-1 at the... Uh, yeah. And then Winthrop got blazing hot for about a six, eight-minute period. Led by 16 in the first half. And doing a little bit of everything. uh, You know, defense, steals, you know, layups, pounding it inside, hitting big threes. And then Hartford came back and, I mean, it was tied. It was seesaw. It was back and forth. And the Eagles made the plays down the stretch. And that's kind of the sign of a good team, winning close games and finding a way in in games like that. Well, and I think what was telling, and Coach Kelsey alluded, Pat alluded to this in the postgame show, but, you know, in big games, at the end of the game, you know, you want the ball in the hands of, you know, your upperclassmen, your leaders. And Kyle Zunick... Hit two monster threes that really helped this win. But he also had two key passes that led to assists that also kind of helped out, especially when the Eagles needed a bucket when the game was tied or they were down. And I mean, I don't think the plan was to play him at point guard right. until it became apparent that Chandler Vaudrin just wasn't healthy enough to practice a lot for the last month. And Kyle kind of got pressed into duty. And he, he's just... You want guys like that on your team. He will run through a wall for you. He will try anything. And he's pretty capable in a wide variety of ways. I don't think he's ever going to be your star guy. But you need glue guys. And you need guys that have that toughness and that savviness. But here's the thing about Zunick, right? Like He might not be the primary option down the stretch. But now you know you can count on him. That if the primary option gets sealed off... You know, or, or maybe the primary option becomes a decoy, and then Zunick's able to make a big play. Yeah, what, what maybe is the biggest takeaway from the game, if you go to practice 
you were wondering how much is Kyle Zunick going to play? How much is Charles Falvin going to play? And those returners played a lot and played well. But there are tons of other options too. DJ Burns fouled out in like eight or nine minutes on the court. But he showed a oh. lot. I mean, he he's going to be a really good player. He can score and he can rebound. Yeah. And Well, there's a reason why he was recruited, heavily recruited coming out of... York County. A- absolutely. And why he went to Tennessee and half the SEC wanted him. But you, we saw flashes from a lot of guys. Hunter Hale. Hunter Hale was, looked good in the first half. Yeah, he was the leading scorer for Winthrop. But Chase Claxton didn't look intimidated in any sort of no. way. It, it's There's a lot there. It, it's going to be a deep team. And as the year moves along, you're gonna guys are going to fall in and out of the rotation. Yeah. There are going to be injuries and stuff like that. But there's there's reason for optimism. Well, and it really does cap off what was a really fun, action-packed for us day here in Hartford. Start off with the Quaker Diner, which was a really good breakfast. I could go for some Quaker Diner right I now. Know, they're not open though. Oh, they're not open. They close it. Uh, well, they. they they close at what two thirty, but not two thirty at night. Yeah, two thirty in the morning. Maybe we can find a uh, find a, a Popeyes. I think we can find. A Popeyes. We did see a Popeyes in Bristol. Yeah, exactly. Did find that, but and then uh, you know going to ESPN was fun. Had a great uh, visit with your buddy and showed us around. And then got to, got to visit with our good friend Mike Cranston, my brother and my sister in law and my niece came. How about Mike Cranston? The former voice of the Eagles, the person who, when he moved on to a different job, we got that hired. That for us, yeah. And, and, and Mike is someone both of us have known for a long time. He's yeah. a Syracuse alum like I am. He was in broadcasting. He's done a lot of print journalism. And I mean, when's the last time you saw him? It's been a long time. In person, yeah, it's been a long time. But it was great to have him there. And that was, I think, a Winthrop University, Winthrop Sports Network first. I think that's the first time we've had him on the broadcast. Is that right or no? I think that's right. I mean, maybe we did in our very early days a million years ago when the current players on Winthrop were like five years old. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that was so much fun, telling old stories and talking about the similarities and the differences yeah. between Winthrop now. I mean, it's always good to bring up Jack Frost and remember some of the fun times with him. Yep, and, uh, of course, the Jeff Lar story getting the technical foul at Birmingham. That's yeah. I only retell that story all the time. <laughs> that was good. All right, so we are going to close things out for this portion of the Bearded Car Cast. Uh, stay tuned for. I hope you're not going to get pulled over. I hope so too. It was. It was. It was purple. Yeah, uh, you're in the clear. You're in the clear. I am in the clear, and like I didn't even think not to continue going there because it wasn't red. Yeah. All right. So. We'll discuss that and maybe other traffic uh, issues coming up. But uh, on Sunday, when we're going from Fresno to Moraga, we'll uh, kind of recap the trip and talk a little bit about what we did over the weekend. We're going to be in San Francisco, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then we'll have a normal bearded car cast headed to Johnson City, Tennessee for ETSU. Bearded car cast at Outlook.com. And uh, drop us a line. Send us an email. Give us some thoughts, some anecdotes, jokes, everything. We all like all that stuff. And always follow us at Bearded Carcast. And remember, we're now on Stitcher, so check out Stitcher, Leave SoundCloud, a review. and iTunes. Leave a review. It, no, better than that, subscribe. 
You'll beat you'll beat the other people. You need the bearded carcass the moment it comes out. This one's gonna come out <laughs> at about midnight. Like I hope there's a I hope it, it gets a push notification, it wakes you up, and you can listen. <laughs> Alright, he's Dave, I'm Mike. Thanks for listening.